Hello and welcome to Front Page Radio with your host, international author, broadcaster, and journalist Dan Wooding, the founder of Assist Ministries and the Assist News Service. Dan, who was born in Nigeria of British missionary parents, was raised in England and later worked for some of Great Britain's largest newspapers. He has been a journalist covering the world for some 47 years now with a focus on persecuted Christians and missions. And now, here's Dan Wooding with today's guest. Welcome to today's program, and I am in Sheffield in England with a woman of steel. Her name is Kathy Green. Kathy is with Church Army, and she has an extraordinary story to tell. So first of all, Kathy, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Now, Kathy, I called you a woman of steel, and many people in the States maybe don't realize that Sheffield was the steel center of Britain. You saw on you know, uh, on all the cutlery made in Sheffield and that. Just give a little brief background on the city of Sheffield. Okay, so Sheffield famously was built on the coal industry, the steel industry, and then uh, cutlery. So uh, Sheffield Steel is worldwide. You know, so normally if you said to people Sheffield, they'll connect it with cutlery or steel making. Now tell us a little bit about your early life. I understand you were raised in a rather tough area. Yeah, uh, brought up on a low working class estate really, you know, there was a lot of poverty around, we had a lot of people that didn't have rather than did have, Um, but having said that, nobody knew any difference, so we were all kind of brought up in the same way really. This this place where you were raised, um, was it a, a crime ridden type of area? Not so much crime, just mainly poverty, um, a few gangs uh, and things like that. But yeah, not really crime in that in that way. Now I understand you had a terrible tragedy in the family. Your uh, your brother was killed. I believe he fell from a train. How did that affect you? What happened, and and how how did it affect your belief, if you had any belief in God? Yeah, I mean, growing up, I didn't give God a second thought, really. You know, God wasn't very much part of my life. Uh, yeah, my brother died in a freight train accident when he were 18. He fell out of a train door. And that affected me deeply because um, I didn't really have a good relationship with my mum and dad or my older sister. But my brother, we were very close. So I suppose after my brother died, it made me think, is heaven real? Or is heaven just a place that we've made up in our own minds to give us a bit of comfort? Kind of looking round, I, I thought there's got to be more to life than this. So I recognised that there must be something more, and if there were a heaven, there must be a creator. Um, but hated him at that time, do you know mm. what I mean? Because I just believed that he killed my brother, that he could have done something to stop my brother dying. Did, did your brother, I mean, he wasn't suicide then. He, he, how did he actually fall from the train then? He was stood in the vestibule having a cigarette, talking to somebody else who was at the other vestibule, and the eyewitness account was just that he was stood there having a cigarette, the door just opened and he flew out. Oh, how terrible. Uh, British Rail tried to say that it was suicide, but because we'd got an eyewitness account, um, they knew that he'd not committed suicide. So you then became pretty bitter, did you? Have, uh, so how how did that sort of play out in the, the years that followed? 
Yeah, I suppose looking back, I was very bitter. I was very angry. Um, I suppose I kept crying out to God, you know, why do all these bad things seem to happen to me? I got married that same year that my brother died, and that turned out to be quite a violent uh, marriage. But again, most of the people that I knew, that was marriage for them, and you just kind of think, that's life. Everybody gets slapped. Everybody gets shouted at. Uh, but I was very bitter. I was very angry. I had two young children at that time. But through, I think it was about seven years after my brother died when I became a Christian. And I think through those years, I think I just felt a loving God draw nearer and nearer. And I felt his presence a bit closer. Was it, was the one particular incident that sort of sent you over the edge and you said, right, I want to follow you, Jesus? Yeah, it was weird, actually, because where we lived at the time, I used to take my son uh, and my daughter up to school and I used to pass the local church, which is St. Peter's Bay Screen. And I can't I, I can't describe it really, but it was I just felt like I were a piece of metal and that was a magnet and I felt as if I got to walk in. I felt as if my antidepressants were sending me a little bit whappy, you know, that I was losing my mind. Uh, but one day I actually walked into the church and I can only talk about a sense of a homecoming. It was it was a very beautiful moment um, and it's a moment I go back to again and again when faith gets a little bit hard. Mm. Uh, so that's when I said my yes to God in that place. Was it during a service or just on your own? I suppose the build-up to that was I'd met a lady called Betty um, before my idea of God was just God uh, and I just felt as if he was some kind of big policeman in the sky, you know, kind of punishing people or telling people off. But Betty talked to me about Jesus and I'd never really heard about Jesus before. And then when she said that, you know, the Easter story, I didn't even realise that Jesus had anything to do with Easter. So again, I think it was at that moment that Jesus became real to me, that, you know, that we got this God that actually loved us so much that he came to earth, you know, walked with us, was crucified for us and, you know, gives us the power of his spirit to live. Did she try and explain to you why bad things seem to happen to good people? Yeah, I, th- I think through my faith journey from that point, it was just that, you know, bad things do happen to good people. And, you know, she said that, you know, God never promised us that it would be easy, but he promised that he would always be with us in good times and in bad. And that seemed to make sense to me. Um, and, yeah, and I just hold that very dear now, you know, that there will be trials, there will be troubles, but God will always be with us. Now you've married again, and you've married an engineer this time. Yeah. Is is this working out a little bit better? Absolutely. I mean, marriage this time, I never realised that it could be so good, you know, and just as God created it, really. Um, so, yeah, I met Philip Bible Study Group. Uh, I'd known his parents for quite a few years before, uh, going to the same church. And again, it, it was brilliant because Chris and Emma at that time, my eldest, uh, Chris was... Chris was 11 and Emma was 8. So after we'd been meeting for this Bible study a few times, and Chris and Emma were there as well, you know, and Phil actually asked Chris and Emma if he could take me out on a date, so massive brownie points. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, he's a a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, And Chris and Emma, you know, he's their dad because their biological dad never wanted to have a relationship with him. Uh, But Phil's been 
a very special blessing uh, to all of us. And have you had any kids with him? Yes, so me and Phil have got Jack together. So we've got Chris and Emma and then Jack, who's now nearly 14. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a proper mini-me. is very much like his dad. Um, but yeah, three wonderful children. Now you are with Church Army. My son Andrew is also with Church Army. And we've grown to um, love this work here. But for the listeners back in America, give us a little pocket um, history of, of Church Army. A pocket history of Church Army. Well, Church Army was birthed into being by a curate called Wilson Carlyle. Uh, he was uh, in London and he just really felt that the working class people didn't get to hear uh, about the message of the love of God. Uh, so he kind of make church army you know there were church army officers that would go to the working class people and just share god's love uh with everybody the least the last and the lost was it is it similar to salvation army or is it a completely different type of uh, organization so it's different i mean salvation army is like a religious movement in its own right whereas church army we've always remained anglican um, so we remain Church of England and we're not a kind of religious movement in our own right. So how did you get involved? How did I get involved? Well, at this church that I became a Christian at, uh, there was some church army evangelists in training at the same church. I kind of thought, because my first husband was in the army, I know what it's like to be plucked up and moved somewhere <laughs> that you don't know the area. Um, so I just thought that I could befriend these families, uh, invite them round for dinner, show them the local parks and places. And then soon after, one after one, they'd say, you ought to join, you're an evangelist, you share God's love, have you thought about joining? But because my confidence was very low at that time, I just... And yeah, I couldn't really accept it then, but uh, by the grace of God, uh, you know, I'm here um, and, and love being part of Church Army's community. What what sort of training do you do? I mean, did you, were you given a particular area to cover or, or I mean, for people again who don't understand it, what, what did it entail? So until doing like a degree or a foundation degree in theology, uh, so we covered lots of things like, you know, Bible study, contemporary issues, we looked at ethics, um, so we did different modules as part of that. And we also did kind of vocational training as well, um, so training to do with the elderly, with the disabled, um, so yeah, a very varied a very full and varied training program, which was brilliant. And we did that over three years. Now, what sort of work are you doing now? Uh, so it's my privilege to be the lead chaplain at Sheffield Children's Hospital. So I lead a very small but mighty uh, multi-faith uh, team uh, at Sheffield Children's. These are young kids with terminal diseases and things like this? Yeah, so Sheffield Children's Hospital is um, just one of three standalone paediatric hospitals in England. Um, so we're a major trauma centre as well. So yeah, we get, um, we've got an oncology ward, we have um, intensive care unit, high dependency. Uh, we also have quite a specialist neuro uh, ward. Um, we might get about 60 deaths a year. So again, kind of working with children who are seriously ill or dying can be quite emotionally draining. 
do you have to learn to work not only with the kids but with the with the mums and dads? Yes, yeah, so we work with the children, but obviously we spend a lot of time talking to parents. Most of the parents that we come across have never really thought about faith or spirituality or religion, but when life's dealt in my hand like that, again, it's just that, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? So let's say a little kid is is brought in, has got cancer, terminal cancer, you know, has has had chemo and the hair's dropped out. And how on earth do you comfort them? I think we're just led in a very person-centred way. You know, we, we talk to them and just see the thing, you know... Where do they get their strength from in these difficult times? Um, there's lots of tears. Um, sometimes we cry with people, you know, because the stories are just so sad. Mm. I remember one little boy um, quite a few years ago. He got leukaemia. He was four months old. He died when he was 18 months old. But the sadness was it wasn't the leukaemia that he died from. He had a massive brain bleed. Uh, and I still see his mum now, you know, kind of eight years on. Um, and again, a, a barrier for mum is just that she just can't believe because she doesn't understand why all of these things happen. But every now and again, she'll just come and just check with me that mm. he's safe. Is he safe? And how do you know he's safe? So I'd just tell her the story in Mark's Gospel about how Jesus welcomes little children uh, and that one day, you know, they'll be reunited again. Is there a, another story of a kid that really inspired you? Oh, there's lots of children that inspire me. Um, good grief. I know there was one uh, little girl, well, she wasn't little, she was 14, she got a brain tumour, but just how she kept her feisty spirit right to the end. Uh, even though the drugs and everything changed her body so much, uh, she struggled looking at herself as a 15-year-old, uh, but she just kept that feistiness. And every time I go through a little bit of a difficult time, I'll kind of think, oh, come on, Cathy, man up, you know, just think about Georgia you know and just how she you know the things that she met in life and the spirit in which she lived mm. do you work also with older people I did do in in parish uh, ministry uh, I worked I got special responsibility for older people so I used to run lunch clubs and holidays at home and things like that with the elderly which was just such fun so, you know, we'd kind of dress the church up with kind of paddling pools and bunting and <laughs> plastic palm trees and, you know, we'd bring the seaside to them. Um, so, yeah, I loved working with the older people too. So now what's the next step? I understand that you, you're training to become a priest in the Church of England. And why are you doing that and what does this entail? Yeah, again, I've just felt this incremental calling, um, you know, that's gone on to uh, being accepted for ordination training. It came about, I suppose I first started feeling God's hand on it about six years ago. Uh, I was called down to intensive care to baptise a baby who was not, you know, was going to die within 24 hours. So being a lay person, I can baptise. I went down and introduced myself, and while I was getting the things for the baptism, um, his dad and his little brother came back from the park. So I introduced myself to his little brother and just said, you know, mummy and daddy's asked if I can come and baptise your brother. 
And he said, but Cathy, what's baptism? And I said, well, baptism's a lovely little uh, service where we recognise that God's real and Jesus is going to be our special friend now and forever. So he said, well, I want to be baptised. <laughs> so I ended up baptising uh, his brother at the same time because mum and dad said that they'd like that. Um, but just talking it through with my spiritual director, she just said, you know, maybe this is a calling to ordination, you know, because it's becoming more sacramental. You, w- you won't then have a own, your own church. You'll, this will be to do this extra work. Yes, it'll just, just give me more tools in my toolbox, really, just to be more present to people. Yeah. Because after that situation, I've had other situations where mums and dads have wanted to be baptised alongside the dying children as well. So that's happened about three times. Mm. Um so, yeah, just an incremental calling, really, to a more sacramental ministry. And now you're on the board. You're <gasps> one of the big bosses of <laughs> Church Army. What does that entail? So being on the board of Church Army is really, um, I suppose it's about the chief exec and all the other people at Church Army being accountable, in a sense. So we meet four times a year and we meet different places. So last time we met in Bristol, we've met in Cardiff, uh, and we just talk about the wider business of Church Army and the kind of strategic development about where it's going. Mm. Last time uh, I did an interview here was with Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Did you meet him when he was here? I didn't, sadly. I, I didn't. But what a beautiful, beautiful man. Yeah. yeah. He was the, one of the most eccentrically wonderful people I've ever met. A man who himself has seen a lot of suffering, hasn't he, through the apartheid situation. And yet he um, he was jumping up and down and dancing. And, you know, it was just amazing. He was, what was he, a patron of, of Church Army for a while? Yeah, he was patron uh, of Church Army for Rowan Williams is uh, our patron, along with the Queen, yeah. Great, good. Now, many people in America think that Britain is dark, there's no spirituality, and, you know, it's gone away from its first love. How would you assess what's going on? In I mean, I know you're mainly based here in Sheffield, but you must have some idea what's going on in the rest of the country. What is your summary of what's going on spiritually in Britain? I think, you know, like it says in the Bible, there's always a remnant in places. And I, th- I see these pockets of light, you know, across uh, Britain and the islands. You know, God is certainly at work um, and there are still people wanting to work with God just to, you know, bring that more into their communities. What, what I have noticed is that um, many of the growing churches are from Africa. You know, I was born in Nigeria of missionary parents, but um, I understand the empire is striking back at the, many of the Nigerian churches are the really big churches. Is, is that true in the north of England as well, or is that mainly in the London area? I think that's mainly in the London area, but we have had quite a few um, different cultures coming in and bringing their churches and their spiritualities, which I think is brilliant. And, you know, for some of these people, they've lived with hardships all their life, but yet they still worship God. And I think we've got so much to learn from these communities about keeping faith in hard times. How do you feel about the immigrants? You know, in, in America, it's one of the most controversial uh, situations, um, 
you know, Norma and myself were immigrants uh, for a while there, and uh, but we just noticed in Britain the immigrant generally seems to be more welcome here than in the States at the moment. Is that true, do you think? I think it is. I think there are still some people that struggle with immigration. But I always think, you know, go back in this island and we're all immigrants, most of people in England. I think that the only pocket of really indigenous people in Britain is kind of in the, the bottom part of Wales. You know, but over the centuries and millennia, people have just come over. So in some senses, we're all immigrants. And actually, do we own any land or is it all gods? Mm. And I know if it was me and I lived in a place where... Um, it was a struggle for my family. I'd do everything I can to find them a better life too. So I believe that we should welcome people. We're speaking with a, a woman of steel all the way from Sheffield. Her name is Kathy Green and she's part of Church Army. But Kathy, for somebody listening to this who's in an abusive marriage, who's going through maybe what you went through with the violence and the unhappiness, what would you like to say to that person who's listening, particularly a woman, you know, a housewife who doesn't know, what, where can I turn, what can I do? I think it's so difficult because I know certainly my story, I just got no confidence whatsoever and I believed the lies that he told me that I deserved it. Um, and I think, you know, there is a way out. This isn't what God wants for you, you know, and, um, you know, just pray for people to come alongside to give you that strength and that hope of a better life. But I think it's really difficult when you're in that situation. But there is hope and there is a way out. And for a husband maybe who has been abusive to a husband, to a, you know, to, to his wife, are there a few words you'd like to say that are we can broadcast <laughs> well I like to think I don't know what's happened in your life to make you think that it's okay to treat a woman like this but it's not yes. you know and actually you go and get help as well because it's not right no violence is right so now looking back on your life anything you would have changed or do you think all of it was for a reason I think all of it was for a reason and all things work together, as it says in Romans, you know, uh, for God's purpose. So no, I wouldn't change anything because that would mean that it would change me. Um, I wouldn't have had the two children from my first marriage, love them very dearly. So no, I just think it's just life and it's how it works out and it all, like in the words of uh, Mother Julian, all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. <laughs> so now... The next step is when you finally get your ordination, what will you be doing then? You be, I mean, you'll be doing baptisms, funerals as well, unfortunately. I do funerals now. Oh, you do, yeah. yeah. I've often wondered how do you ever, you know, I lost my mum and dad and it was a terrible time. And to actually see the body, you know, was terrible for me. How do you bring comfort to people who've just lost a loved one? I think it's, um, how do we bring comfort? I think just being there, and sometimes it's not about words. I think it's just intentionally wanting to be there and just remembering, uh, talking about the person, um, letting them cry, letting them shout, let, sometimes let them swear, you know, because there's anger there as well uh, when you've lost somebody that you love. But, yeah, just being with, just being with. So... Today now, are you excited about the future or what? 
I am quite excited to see where the next 20 years will bring, you know, <laughs> because um, I became a Christian when I was 27, so I'm kind of 22 years in, and it's been a bit of an adventure, so bring on the next 22 and we'll see where God takes me. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Yorkshire. Oh. Yorkshire is a particularly unusual part. It, I, I would sort of liken it a little bit to Texas. You know, the people of Yorkshire, I know at times, have wanted their independence from the rest of Britain and all this <laughs> sort of stuff. What, what are your thoughts about Yorkshire? Well, being a Yorkshire lass, you know, um, I, th I think we're just very welcoming. We're very open. Uh, sometimes you need an interpretation into what we're saying and how. Um, but, yeah, I, I do love Yorkshire. do yeah, love Yorkshire. Yeah. What is it about Yorkshire that, that, you know, sort of commends itself to maybe people from abroad? I think we're just very friendly. I think in Yorkshire we've got lots of big open green spaces, you know, Peak District. I love the North Yorkshire Moors. If you're ever over here, go to Whitbeck, best fish and chips ever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just beautiful scenery and beautiful people. I remember we went to that place where the Brontes lived and... Uh, the lady wrote Withering Heights and that. And mm. Is that Haworth, they call it? That's Haworth, that's right, yeah. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful scenery. Well, finally, looking back again, is there a scripture that you've, you know, you've really now built your, your ministry on? I think for me it's the Jeremiah 29, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I think that is a scripture that I hold on very tight to in you know in good times and in bad that mm. god has a plan and for people who maybe say i don't see any plan it's just all difficult and misery can you give a couple of words that maybe would encourage them yeah i think um i think for some people they just feel as if they're in the valley all the time but i think sometimes we've got to be in the valley to appreciate the mountain tops mm. one of the lovely uh quotes that I've seen it and I don't know who wrote it but they said life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass it's about learning to dance in the rain <laughs> and I think in good times and in bad you know well certainly in bad times just think about those little things that you can be thankful for it might be that the sun shone or the rain rained and the flowers got some water but just to especially in bad times just bring this of thankfulness and that can really change your outlook and if people want to find out more about Church Army, do you know the website? Yeah, churcharmy.org. So if you do www.churcharmy.org. And you'll find out more. You'll find out more. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, thank you so much. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Front Page Radio with international journalist Dan Wooding. If you would like a free subscription to the Assist News service, log on to www.assistnews.net. And if you would like to write to Dan, send an email to assistnews at aol.com. Tune in again for another edition of Front Page Radio on this same station.